This is somebody that survived. They shot the person's leg. Right? Oh, this one survived. Other people are. They've been shot and killed. Okay, look. If anybody can assist us, if you live close to Lucky Gates, please. I don't know. Maybe a group can come if you can help. Please be your brother's keeper. They need to remove this bullet from this boy's leg so that they don't cut this boy's leg so that he doesn't get infected, please. Put your light on. Everybody, put your light. Put your light on. Please, if you can call any ambulance, the soldiers are supposed to let them pass. Guy, it's okay, it's okay. Guy, no put you go infect this guy. No, don't just choke something. You go infect this guy, they go cut this guy leg if he gets infection. No, don't you can when I put apply pressure, apply pressure. Please, lighter, if you get lighter, we need to burn something. We need to burn metal and close the skin. We burn metal and press it bring. Okay, get lighter. What you just listened to is an audio clip from the Instagram live video by DJ Switch, a popular Nigerian DJ who was in fact at the scene of the Lekki massacre at the Lekki toll gate on October 20th, 2020. This is the Awakening Podcast and my name is Chantal Essay. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast, where we take top trending political stories weekly with the aim of jumpstarting the mind of the Nigerian youth towards political inclusiveness. October 20th, 2020 has gone down in history as the day the Nigerian military opened fire at unarmed Nigerian youths who were protesting against bad governance and police brutality, especially from the notorious police unit, the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, popularly known as SARS, at the Lekki Toll Gate in Lagos, Nigeria. Since then, the hashtag NSARS trended every month on social media as a reminder of the failed government in Nigeria and a tribute to the innocent lives that were lost on that night. It has left a question on our lips. Who ordered the shooting? Now, in the wake of the 2023 presidential election, are we going to vote right? Are we ready to take over the political space? Or are we going to recycle these people over again? These are what we will be talking about today. With me, I have Richard Onodeko, a media personality and MC. Richard holds a master's degree in media management. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm doing very great. Thank you very much for inviting me on this, your beautiful show. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I oh, do pleasure. not take you for granted. And I also have with me Barista Omolola, who is a lawyer, a human rights activist, and a politician. She doesn't like to be called a politician. <laughs> I guess maybe it's because of the nature of the corrupt uh, politicians that are in Africa, so she doesn't want to associate. <laughs> I totally agree. With you. <laughs> Welcome, Barista Molala. Thank you so much, Chantel, for having me. So, Richard, you were at the NSAS protest. How was it like? Um, 
if there is a particular day I wouldn't like to experience again in my life, it will be the 20th of October, 2020. And um, that date is so significant that every single time I remember, I keep asking the question, who ordered the killing? Now, during the protests, Richard, yeah. You, I mean, you, 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 you held a placard because I saw pictures yes. on your Instagram. Yes. You held a placard and you were fighting for what everyone in Nigeria, every youth in Nigeria, you know, fights for every day, fighting for the right to live. Yeah. And you came across a lot of, you know, I would say barriers, mm-hmm. uh, f- especially from the law enforcement agencies. Can you, can you tell me, tell me more about that? All right. Um, one of the universal law in the world is the fundamental human right. Then that means the right to protest, the, the right to uh, speak, the freedom of speech. But on that day, um, I faced, um, not just me, a lot of youth who were there faced um, a lot of barriers. And it's because when the corrupt politicians, the corrupt people in government noticed or figured out that um, they are about to hit their Waterloo. They had to use the law enforcement agencies against us because we came out because we were tired. A lot of things were happening. You could not live your normal life again. An average Nigerian was seen as someone who was probably into um, internet fraud or someone who probably had some diabolical means of uh, making money. So um, when the when the day when we all gathered together, because we gathered at the very central place, we gathered at the um, in the front of the House of Representatives mm-hmm. in the, in Nigeria in Lagos especially, yeah. and we gathered there to let them let them know how we feel. They sent out the police, sent out the other law enforcement agencies to come deter us and stop us. Excuse me. Stop us from um, doing what we wanted to do, mm. and that alone is just a sign that a lot of changes needs to happen. Mm. We have the right to protest. We have freedom of speech. Then why are you trying to take away our freedom? I'll stop there for now. Mm. That is so so powerful. Now, Barista Omolola, you have worked with these people, and um, we know that the Nigerian youth have been fighting this thing called SARS, S-A-R-S, um, Special Anti-Robbery Squad, which the government the government um, started a few years ago. I think it was back in, when, 2000 and, was it 16 or 17? I can't really remember. And um, it, was, it was actually started to tackle robbery because there were a lot of incidences, robbery incidences in Nigeria. And, but these people went rogue. And they started targeting young Nigerian youths who seemed comfortable, who drove nice cars. And they were questioning their source of wealth. You know, what do you do for a living? And a lot of innocent Nigerians have died. People that own startups, people that were in unconventional industries like advertising, banking, music, entertainment, tech. You know, they, they, they have fallen victims. Even popular, you know, musicians, you know, like P-Square, um, Corey Bello who is also a popular Nigerian artist, you know, these people have, even comedians as well, they, they have at one point in their lives come out on social media to shout, you know, and, and talk about this, the harassment from 
the special anti-robbery squad and that is what the nigerian youth you know came out to protest against that they do not want sars sars were this the um and the sars people were disbanded according to the nigerian government in 2018 but i mean they kept on operating so that was like what they call it audio <laughs> audio disbandment <laughs> so it means they're not really disbanded and the Nigerian youth came out in October of 2020 to say, you know what, we are done. We want SARS to end. Now, Barista Omolola, coming from somebody that has worked with these people, I want to understand their 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 mindset. Like, how was it like, you know? I know you don't, you no longer hold that office again, but I, first of all, I want to know what office that was and um, and basically how it was generally, let's say your first two months. Okay, so um, I'd like to say that I would like to spe- specifically say that it's not a a position of um I'm not a card carrying politician because it was it was an appointment that I feel is a spin off of the effect of the whole NSAS protest and because I was actively involved in NSAS protest. So I felt they felt okay, let's look at we've we've definitely not included the youths in all of this all along. So let's pick one or two people and it helps that I'm a woman. So let's include some of the youth because there was a lot of youth appointments and I think I'm one of the few women that was maybe very few young women that was appointed. And on my own for my own appointment I was appointed a board member of the um board of internal revenue of the state. So I would like to state that I'm afraid that we still have a very, very long mm. way to go. Mm. I'm afraid that we have a very long mm. way to go. Because, you know, when I got the appointment, when I when I was when I was called, a friend sent it to me that look, your name was announced and all that. I was shocked initially. Mm-hmm. Then I even told a few people that I'm not going to take up this appointment because this is like mm. a is like a um a distraction. They are trying to make us look lose focus, making trying to make us look like, oh, okay, see, we've included you people now, so you don't need to make noise. Mm. And a few friends said no. You cannot fight mm-hmm. from the outside. You have to be on the inside to know what is happening. I'm sorry to say that. Honestly, I'm still not... I'm even more disappointed. Mm. Because I've had the opportunity to observe a few things. And then I'm careful because I know that they are watching. They want to mm. know mm. that, okay, you are on the inside now. Let us see you. All the noise you are making, let us see whether you want to make noise. Here. So you, mm. you... you you know that they are shielding a lot away from you, but you can also observe that there are things that are not being done properly. You understand? And then it's sad that, okay, we are making a lot of, a lot of noise about, yes, you, are, you said you are including the youth. You've included some of us. No problem. But what are we really doing? We had a lot of ideas. I had, I personally had a lot of ideas that I brought to the fore and all that. Okay, we are talking about taxation. Let me talk about the, the, the office that I took, that I was appointed into. We had plans to um, have more people pay taxes and all. Fine, because every individual to every um, for every um, right you enjoy as an as a, as a citizen, you definitely have an obligation. Mm-hmm. I believe so much in tax payment and all that. Mm-hmm. But people are paying so much taxes already that is not even official taxes. Mm-hmm. The roads are very bad. There is no light. There is no this, and even the road to my own house. You understand? It's so bad that I know how much I pay to get my car fixed every month. You understand? That is a form of indirect taxation. Yeah. And then you want us to go and carry out campaigns and tell them to pay more taxes. And they are not seeing anything being done with what they are already paying. And I said, look, I'm sorry that I'll have to um, decline going for the next tax visitation because I cannot, how do I face people and tell them that you have to pay more taxes mm. when they are not doing, there's nothing that, there's practically nothing being done 
with what they've already paid. So it's really, it's a sad state of things and it doesn't look like things are about to change soon. That's the truth. Mm. Especially from the inside. And I, I can see the inner workings to an extent. I'm going to say to an extent because, of course, <laughs> the game is tight and you cannot really do so much. You cannot really say so much. So it's always easier to talk from the outside. Now that I'm on the inside, I was on the inside and I saw that, okay, so this is how it is. Is I'm afraid to say that it's a sorry state and <laughs> things that might not change as soon as we think mm. they should. Okay, that is a very, very interesting insight. Thank you so much for that, Barista Omolola. And now I have a very special person who is joining all the way from Nigeria. And we are recording this podcast from the United Kingdom, Manchester to be precise. Um, but Uche Chuku is joining us from Nigeria. Um, I have Uche. Hello, Uche. Hi, Chantel. It's great to be here. Okay, so Uche, you um, were also at the protests and you told me that something happened to you you had like you had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the SARS operatives. So I want you to tell me everything that happened on the fourteenth of May, twenty twenty. Okay. I just I just closed from church, if I'm not mistaken, and I wanted to head home, but a friend of mine convinced me. Oh, I think we should go by an ice cream store and get ice cream, and I actually wanted to. So I was like, okay, it's a big deal. So we went to the ice cream store, got the ice cream, and we're headed home. I think we used um, Bolt. Yes, that's Taxify. And we um, waited for the driver for a long time, but he eventually got there. And we started to um, drive towards my house. We got to this particular junction, and out of nowhere... Um, this police vehicle, well, it wasn't really a police vehicle because it didn't have, like, their number and all of that. But, yes, we just saw this van, drove in front of us and blocked our car and they came out with torchlight. Stop this car. Stop this car now. Okay, what is the problem? I'm drop down. Sit down. Calm down now. Calm down. Calm down now. Ah, oh God, take it easy now. We, we are not armed. They were wearing this vest that wrote, um, that read SAS, rather. And I was like, ah, SAS in this part of town. God, please. <laughs> so when they got to our vehicle, I, I asked them, what's, what's the problem? And they say, ah, you people are the ones that we've been looking for. Hey. <laughs> What do you mean by the ones you've been looking for? Oga, do you know me before? And so they asked that we come down, and we did. I took all my stuff out of um, the taxify, and we got down. And this guy had his gun in our face i think they were about five the person behind the wheel stayed there and the rest of them came down and they were harassing us mind you they did not stop any other car mm -mm. it was just that uh that our own car and they asked us for our credit cards and debit cards they asked us for id some form of identification anyone we had at all 
and sadly we didn't have any on us at the moment <laughs> so um they threw us into their van and drove into oblivion <laughs> see i was particularly scared because i'd seen a lot of articles about people's experiences with SARS and how they picked up friends of theirs or loved ones and they never saw them again so in my heart I was afraid um, what if we never go back home what if we don't make it what if we get killed or kidnapped something like that it just got really scary so they drove to my friend's office. He worked at a bank at the time. And um, he asked, really he got there because of how um, familiar the um, security guard was with him. I thought it would be like an indication that, oh, this guy actually works here and he's not lying. Because he had a gold card, I think. And in their mind, they were like, ah, where do you, where do you make so much money from? Why do you have a gold card? <laughs> So we got there and the security man was so friendly and they checked their system so his face would pop up as a staff of that particular bank and it did. And I thought they were going to let us go and they were like, oh, turns out they mistook us for um, some other people, but we would have to give them transport money to go back home. And I'm like, what are you saying? You have a car. What do you mean by transport money? So apparently what they did was they ripped us of all the cash we had on us. Every single drop of cash. <laughs> they took all the cash we had on us and I was like, so how are we supposed to get home? And so they just dropped off, I think a thousand naira should be enough to get you home because we are driven so far from home, right? So um, it was so confusing, trust me. And I just realized after we were done with them, when they had gone, that while they were with our phones they were trying out a bank ussd code on um on the phones like every single bank ussd code i think it was in a bit to get um to know what banks we had accounts with and they were checking our account balances and they see plenty of money like ah ah where do you where did you make such money and all of that so when we got home i that was when i asked my friend I do hope you blocked all your bank apps. Like, immediately they left. You just picked up your phone and blocked all your bank apps and all of that. And he was like... In fact, I, I even expected that he would send a mail to the of, um, to the banks to lock his accounts or something. But he didn't, apparently. So, I asked him to. But, apparently, it was too late. Because when he decided to do that, they had already... I don't know how they did it. Because they didn't ask for his PIN or anything like that but the money in that account had been transferred one of the accounts they had transferred every single penny in that account and i cried so much that day because i just couldn't believe it number one the shock that i was being attacked by people who were supposed to be protecting me and secondly the fact that lost so much money to these same people I felt so bad and up until this day <laughs> if i drive past that place i'm always getting jitters like what if they just come out again and all of that and yeah that's basically what it has been mm.
So how did it how did it feel being at the forefront of the NSAS protest in Abuja in October of that same year? Oof. <laughs> the NSAS protest, oh my god. Chantel, I was in front. I was screaming my eyes out, screaming my heart out because I had first hand experience and I just I just needed the government to do something. I, I I was just hopeful that our voices would actually be heard and it would stop. It was it was a great feeling to stand for something, but it was also scary because um you know, it was a way of lending my voice um to what was going on and it felt good. Um at the at the early stages but one particular day when we were um protesting on on the road in abuja a group of young boys not properly dressed i think they are um these pasture headers or something and they just came out of nowhere with daggers and they wanted to stab us and uh, i was so confused like we are protesting that we want to save Nigeria, and <laughs> somebody's coming here to stab us. Is this is this not just validating what we are complaining about? Chokets. So it was also confusing, but thank God we didn't get stabbed. <laughs> and I feel like gradually, even though there's still some form of, um, we still know that these things are still happening in Nigeria, but with all the things that the government promised us and none that has. They have kept to i can still see um that we're still not safe in nigeria and we're not honestly we're not safe anytime some police officer can just come and kill you because he has a gun and you don't <laughs> um yeah okay so i'm gonna say this right now the Guardian newspaper did um, a sort of pop, a, a poll and they discovered that about 80% of the population of political leaders in Nigeria are not youths. And they asked the question, and I'm going to ask this question right now. And this question is for you, Richard. Is the youth of Nigeria under siege? And <laughs> what do you think is the way forward for the Nigerian youths and political inclusiveness because it's almost like we've forgotten every every month NSAS trends on twitter on the 20th of every month i mean it just trended a few days ago and that is why we're talking about it right now every month it trends and it's like it just trends and then everyone forgets about it right richard what first of all do you think nigerian youths are under a siege and what do you think is the way forward thank you very much Chantel. <clears throat> um i will say that the, <laughs> the <Nigerian laughs> youth, if there is another word we could use to say that they are under siege i think that would be the word mm. because uh, i think i'll use oppression mm. that's what i would say because the nigerian youth is highly and hugely oppressed mm. by the government and it's because they know that they have the guns 
they have the money, they have the funds. And do not forget, these funds are the funds from the taxpayers. Hmm. The money would have meant to go back to rebuilding the community, making roads, making sure that there is electricity, making sure that there is clean water and all of that. But now they have side-funded the, 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 the money and they are not distributing it to the right place. So I would say that in all ramification, the Nigerian youth is under siege mm. because um, I, an average um, young person finishes school and one of the greatest thing you or one of the um big things or like the um biggest thing on your mind is how to get a job because the jobs are not there mm. they are not creating it so let's say for example now you're cre- you're building roads then that means you're making more jobs for people for contractors mm-hmm. right yes. but when yes. the roads are not being built obviously you allocate money from the national budget from the national assembly but you don't execute it. So that means you take the money, then you don't give it to the right person. So mm-hmm. um, from the law enforcement agencies, Nigerian youth, they are under... The, I will give you a practical example. I remember there was a time I was coming from an, from an event in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I think we went for a media round, and it spun into around 11 p.m. at night. And we were coming back. Trust me, I was there with my cameraman and some other crew members. And we were scared. We we're more scared of meeting hmm. the police on the road than even armed robbers that or thieves. Is, so that is such a very bad experience. Like that is so just. I can't even imagine. <laughs> Do not forget their name is SAS, right? Special Anti Robbery Squad. They are meant to catch robbers. But now we are even scared of the people who are meant to be holding protecting, them responsible, protecting yeah. us, than even the. So it, you hear. A, a, an average youth say, oh, I prefer to meet an arm robber on the road than even hmm. the law enforcement hmm. agency because they know that they, it's it's like they are legally robbing you. But they are. They are armed and they are demanding for, and if you don't give, they shoot at sight. And they can also, they oh. can they can frame you and say and you're an arm robber. The yeah. yeah, and then, I mean, you know, you know how the law thing is in Nigeria. They believe the police over anything. So if the police says, this is what happened, that is what happened. A judge, a judge would never point to the police officer and say it, it didn't happen unless you have video evidence. So how would you get get out your video evidence in that situation? And it's so crazy. So Richard, what is the way forward? <sighs> the way forward is I think we have to go back to to the roots, which is the family. The politicians today came out from a family. Mm. The young people also came out from a family. There is this usual trend. A lot of young people are in their early twenty, in their late twenties and their early thirties are very enthousi- enthusiastic about. Oh, I want to change the government. I want to change the government. And when they get into the government, they become what they were from the government. Exactly. <laughs> the evil they are fighting. They exactly. So there, there has to be some fundamental reengineering. Hmm. Mm. And I think a lot of people need exposure. Mm. So you would know that, oh, this is how things are done in other countries. This is how mm. things are done in the other part of the world. So when you get there, um, no matter how much they want to bribe you with or lobby with or bribe you basically, you would not fall for it. So I think the way forward is exposure and a personal re-engineer and individualistic re-engineering mm. because it takes... When, when you are being bribed to keep quiet, let's say, for example, um, the SAS um, 
but the SARS people right now probably stop somebody on the road and the person refuses to give them money and they shoot the person. And you have been given money to keep quiet about it, not to say maybe to make to make a judgment mm. in favor of the SARS people. When mm. you stand on your ground, mm. that's because of a personal conviction. Yeah. Not because of the money you are being given. So as I said, individualistic um in in inward re-engineering mm. and also exposure that will really help you when you see that <laughs> that small change in like in there's this mm. local parlance in africa that small change that's okay that they are giving you mm. is nothing compared to the life of somebody Someone, yeah. yeah you would re, you would rethink it that everything all right thank you so much for that richard now um barrister omolola in the wake of the current happenings in nigeria we see that there's an election next year mm. And a lot of people um, are so they feel very, very like regretful because they just they wished the NSAS protest happened in a year before the election. I mean, this happened two years ago, which was 2020, and oh. the election is, is, is the election is happening in 2023. Now, in the wake of this election, we see the candidates. I mean, there's one particular candidate that has made his interest known you know since last year and he even has like you know posters everywhere i mean before i left nigeria in october i saw the posters everywhere in lagos tinubu hmm. bola ahmed tinubu hmm. and we all know that it is impossible for tinubu to say that he doesn't have footage because they had footage they, they in fact there was a tribunal that was organized by the lagos state government after the lagos state governor was probed on cnn and, you know, he was just stammering and stammering like okay. a clueless man, you know. And they had to set up, on, in fact, if not for the pressure, you know, which I thank God for social media for, okay. they had to set up that tribunal to talk about, you know, what really happened, to find the root cause and then prosecute the people that were, although we know that the government, I mean, because the legacy government cannot say he was clueless okay. about the fact that, you know, there was a massacre in Lekki Gate, and of which the government, mm -hmm. the government gaslighted us. They said mm -hmm. everything that DJ Switch showed us on our Instagram live. DJ Switch was live on Instagram, which was the, which was the um, audio you heard when you know this podcast started. DJ Switch was. I watched the video. I I joined her Instagram oh, live. Oh, 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 oh. I was I was trembling the day I was watching it. Where I was. The whole world watched the Instagram live video, so no one would tell me. That an Instagram live, that's why it is called live. Mm. You know, it is happening. We the saw it feed. all. It was a live feed and the government said it was fake. It was orchestrated. It was fake. CNN did a report. CNN mm. did an extensive report. Talked about the bullet that was used. Did an investigative report and the government said CNN should mind their business. Mm. All right. So now, Bola Ahmed Tinubu is about to become president because we know Nigeria. And he's running under the APC political banner of which they haven't done a primary yet so we don't know if they would elect they would choose him to be the candidate of of, of the apc political party um but it is looking like tinubu is going to be the apc political candidate, mm. and apc is a major political party in nigeria the apc and pdp we don't know who is coming out on for pdp but all we know is that there is no youth the, the only youth so far is um mrs khadija Lami Dishanusi, she's the only Nigerian youth that has come out to say she wants to run for president. Mm. She's the only person so far. And now this is 
what we're talking about. Where are the other youths? Where are the people that screamed answers? What is the way forward right now? Now, Baris Amolala, I wanted to juxtapose the political sphere back in the 90s, you know, and how Nigerian politics was back in the 2000s. I mean, we didn't just get here. Hmm. We didn't just get here. It took a journey and a journey of wrong decisions, a journey of wrong choices from Nigerians, from the era of Yaradwa to Jonathan and Buari, and we're about to make the biggest mistake since the history, since the birth of Nigeria. <laughs> since, so far, I mean, I don't know what mistakes we will make in the future, but we're about to make that mistake. This is a mistake. So, Baris, I want please, I want you to help juxtapose, you know, the, the Nigerian the journey of Nigerian politics from then till now. What, what has changed? What is going to change? What is the future looking like? Uh, as I'm afraid to say that, I'm afraid to sound like hmm. the voice of pessimism, but the truth is, it looks very bleak, very, very bleak. If you trace the antecedent of um, politicking, um, elections, and all from when we got independence and when we started the whole system of voting leaders in and all, we saw that, okay, look at the time of Abiola. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The whole nation came together, together. and voted. We, we had one voice. June 12, 1992. June 12 was like the <laughs> best elections in the history of Nigeria ever. I was, my, I was still my mommy's belly then. My mom was still pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the best ever. Everybody had one voice. We knew that this was the person that we voted for. And... Of course, he didn't get there and the story for another day and all. But things started degenerating. And I would say that where we started getting it wrong and where we, we are still getting it wrong and until things begin to change is when we began to uh, tie um, people's emergence to become leaders with money. How mm. much money they yeah. had to drop. Mm. See, until we stop, until we, we remove this whole money thing from politics, we'll never get genuine leaders. Mm. We'll never get genuine people that will come out. Mm. People that want to even come out, the fact that they don't even have enough money to buy the, the, the affection form. of, yeah. of <laughs> those that are behind the forms, buy yeah. the affection of party members, buy the affection of um, party leaders and all that, mm. they will never get there. That is the truth. Mm. Then, when we are talking about inclusion of minority groups like i call us minority minority groups the women there are mm. so many women that i mean the lady that is that yes, is out now too, she's she, i mean I, I, when i saw her picture i was really impressed like okay yeah. i'm going to throw my weight behind this person the fact that she's a woman woman yes is not not necessarily because if, i mean i don't I mean, believe it's in, a change it's, i don't it's, it's a, a change it's yes a change that but i also mean. do not believe in tokenism because she's a woman let us just Let's give it to her, no, no, yes. no. she has yes. to have something good to bring to the table mm -hmm. you get but until we remove this there is too much money. See, the system of government we are running is too corrupt. And it, the money there is too much. It is mm. too much. And until we remove that money, until we make it less attractive, we are not going to get the right people. There is nothing mm. we are going to do. That is going to, see, we have so many youths that really believe in this thing, that want to do it. But, mm -hmm. hello, I'm, I'm like, is it me that is working for my honest daily pay and 
Is it me that wants to? Do I want to sell my children to get the thirty billion naira to to <laughs> buy a ticket? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't yes. make sense. Yeah. And when I've bought it, even if I have, even if everybody has come, that's why people have godfathers and all that. They they assist, they fund you and all that. Once you get to that position, you are thinking about repaying all of them back, back. recouping all the money you've put into it before you even think about the people you want to help. Before who you, you said your campaign promises. Before you, you understand. <laughs> so there is a lot of mess, and it does not look bleak. That is mm. one angle. Then we talk mm. about vote buying. Mm. Vote buying has come to stay. I say it all the time. It has come mm. to stay. There is nothing anybody can do about vote buying. It is sad, but. It is the norm. It has become the norm of the day. It has become the order of the day. People are mm. buy, selling their votes. And the leaders are um, consciously keeping people in that state so that when it comes to time for elections, they can, they can use that, they can wield that power, that tool. Yes. They can use, wield poverty as a tool to win mm. people's votes. But it's sad. Yes, I understand that vote buying has come to stay. My only grouse is that even if you are going to collect the money, because the truth is you are robbing Peter to pay Paypal, Paul. He's still yeah. their money. So why not, if if at all you are going to collect the money... Why not work? I mean, do the collect, work. Do the work. <laughs> I mean, yes, you are going to collect the money, fine, because it is your money, you believe it is the national king, but still vote for the person you know that should be there, that yeah, is yes. meant to be there. Yes. You understand? It does my pain. So things are not going to things are not going to change anytime soon. That is the truth. And mm-hmm. until we begin to look inwards, just as just as Richard said, until we begin to look inwards and think about it and look, this country is mine. If I vote for this guy that I know for sure that he's not dead to have anything good to give me, why do I have to vote for him? I don't have to vote for him. We are not thinking about the spiraling effect of these things on our children. We are not thinking about the future. We are just thinking about the now. Okay, I'm hungry now. Let me collect that 5,000 so that I can, I can plan my meal, my next meal. After that next meal, what will happen? What will happen after the next meal? You understand? Mm. Have you thought about your children who for the next four years will not have, um, who you not have money to pay for their school fees? Who will have the horrible roads to still trek to school? Who will have, I mean, it's just, we need to really look inwards and think about these things beyond money, beyond the money that we want to collect mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. beyond the, those that if, and then there's another thing that people still believe and which I feel that it's sad. People believe that, our votes do not count. Please, our votes count. Because if our votes do not count, why are they hustling so much to buy those to votes? To buy the votes, yes. The votes do count. They do count. So we really need to look inwards. And the truth is, the way it's looking, I don't think, I think it's, See, it's still bleak. I have a question about the votes yeah. buying because um, we've had footages in the past where um, we see at the election booth, some men come to steal the vote and go with some empty ballot papers and mm. they are stamping the logos of the yeah. um, of the political party. Mm-hmm. So how is the vote still counting at that time? How is the vote of the masses still counting? If somebody could be somewhere just um stamping, stamping the yeah. vote the like the way it's the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. And so how how is that, how is the vote of the masses okay. still counting? So I had somebody that worked um someone that used to be quite close to me that works with the um electoral committee, the independent national electoral INEC. committee, INEC. Yeah. The way he explained it was see, when you have okay, if we have twenty thousand people in probably let's say um a community now, twenty thousand people, and then we have 18,000 that registered. 
2,000 did not register. Mm. Out of that 18,000 that registered, you know, they have their registration cards mm. and definitely INEC has a copy. Mm-hmm. Now, if on the day of election, only 5,000 comes out, out of the 18,000, you mm. know, we have a deficit of 13,000. 13,000, yeah. You see that 13,000, it's so easy to just go and stamp all their cards and make up the 18,000. So mm-hmm. if you know that you're not going to vote, don't register. Mm. Do you understand? So they encourage you to register. They encourage you to register. So the problem now lies in you registering you and not out? coming out to vote. Yes. So if you are not coming out to vote, do not register. Because once you register and you don't come out to vote, it is easy to manipulate. It's as simple so as that. So those ones who are stamping, they are using the names of the people. Of the ones who that would come out. Exactly. Wow, that's why they wow, put, wow. That is why it is and, so easy. That's why they put political talks at the election at the place election to places scare people to, from coming. That is it. Wow. That is just the simple. As soon as I wow. got that knowledge, once I'm sure that I'm not voting, I'm not registering. Mm. It's just wow. as simple as that. It's just oh as simple. And then the sad part for me is that the youth, that another issue is the youths are we are quick. We are twitter fingers. We are tweeting, we are tweeting. We are not coming out to vote. We are not coming out to vote. We are busy tweeting and tweeting and tweeting. No, but INEC does not count your tweets. INEC does not count your tweets. <laughs> INEC does not count your prayers that the nation will be stable. You mm. come out to vote, you come out to defend your votes. Mm. If the number of people that are outside are more than I mean we could face the answers we could face the 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 police the, yes. po- the, the, the guns yeah. so why can't we face the thugs mm. yeah. yeah if we have ten thugs with guns if we are fifty thousand and we come out trust me <laughs> stones mm. Mm. I mean we, we will do a lot we will do a lot so people are not voting they are just tweeting mm. I just, mm. just wish the youths can see beyond tweeting and hiding behind your computer you mm. come out Wow, this this has been such an amazing, amazing time. And before I go, I'm just going to ask Uche. Uche, what is the Nigeria of your dreams? Well, the Nigeria of my dreams is a place where people can trade safely without fear of the armed forces. <clears throat> it's a place where the voice of the masses can be heard by the government it's a place where we have peace and i don't mean to be pessimistic but i don't see it in nigeria anytime soon because it's still same old nigeria um it's just really sad and oh well that's what it is Mm, that is so powerful uche thank you so much for being on this show i'm super 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 grateful um that you took our time to narrate your experiences thank you so much uche anyways the nigeria of my dreams is a country that i can go to and walk on the road at night without the fear of a police officer labeling me a prostitute, mm. labeling me a fraud star, or, you know, doing harmful stuff to me. The Nigeria of my dreams is a country where I can take, you know, the police words for it, you know. Nigeria of my dreams is a place where I would not be bothered about coming into Nigeria and at the airport, staff, government staff would, you know, bribe ask for bribes and we want to collect money extort me just because i'm just coming into the country it's crazy. <laughs> it's such a crazy thing there's just so much going on in nigeria and 
it was such a beautiful session thank you so much um barista molola thank you so much richard it was it was so great and i just hope that this has you know jumped you into realization and you know helps you think about what the way forward should be as a nigerian youth and also i hope you've learned something because i definitely sure did my name is chantel essay and this is the awakening podcast i will see you in my next episode Bye for now.